Have you ever had one of those moments where you survey who's going to be a part of an activity before you decide whether or not you want to jump in and be a part of the action too? Happens all the time with kids, right? I mean, I can come home and I can ask one of my kids, hey, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? And they may be hesitant, reluctant even, but if the other two overhear what I'm asking and then they jump in with enthusiasm and say, yes, dad, we're in. Well, you know what happens. The third child jumps in too. Why? Because they want to be a part of the action. They don't want to miss out on what's happening. And that happens to all of us, right? We have this fear of missing out. We can see what other people are doing and, well, we want to be a part of it too. And right now, when life has kind of slowed down and everything's at a standstill, well, we can feel like we're missing out because we're not able to celebrate things the way we're used to. We can't celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and birth announcements and weddings the way we'd like. And we we miss gathering together and we miss going out to eat and we miss sporting events. You know, right now on our Facebook feed, I'd love for you just to chime in and let us know what are some things that you're missing right now, some things that you're kind of excited for things to get back to a sense of normalcy where you can do this again. Let us know right now. We'd sure appreciate it. But you know, when this coronavirus does pass and we are able to gather again and things get back to some sense of normalcy, we'll still have that fear, you know, of missing out because that fear runs deep. We'll see people and what they have and what they're doing and we'll see our dreams and they're not unfolding quite the way we'd hoped they would. And we'll feel like we're missing out on something. It's a fear that runs deep and strikes at the core of all of us. Jesus responds to this fear in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27. In in this section, Jesus, he, he gives us his plan for life, his way for living, his call to discipleship and who the church is supposed to be, what we are to look like. And this, these commands of Jesus, it's not open for debate. He's not asking for consensus. He didn't take a vote. It's not open for negotiation. Sure, we could try to wrestle with God and say, God, well, if you just let us do this or that, or if you can tweak your command here a little bit, but it's futile. God is not going to change his mind. This is the life that he's called us to. And he's called us to this life because it is for our good. It's the best life we could possibly have. And he doesn't want us to miss it. See, if the thing that you're missing right now is simply gathering together, but you're not missing this sent life of a disciple, well, that fear of missing out, it likely runs deep. So Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 27, hear his words. And Jesus said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. 
You need to understand at this point in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 9, a lot is happening. The disciples, they've just returned from being sent off in pairs to go and make disciples. They've been gone for six months. Now they return and there's Jesus does this miracle. And then Peter, he stands up and he makes this incredible statement where he says, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of God. He rightly identifies who Jesus is. And then Jesus explains to his disciples that his time for earth is not long, that he's going to be out of here soon, that he's going to die. And at this moment, Jesus knows that the disciples, they would be tempted to look around because what's coming next is going to be very difficult. It's going to be very hard. It's going to be very painful. Would there be more exciting stories to tell, like the ones they returned after they had been sent off to go and make disciples? Sure, yeah, there would. But there's going to be a lot more stories of pain and heartbreak. The disciples would be required to sacrifice and to give up a lot. It would be difficult because he was preparing the disciples to die. This is the cost of discipleship. And so the allure of the world can come in and they can see their old fishing boats and they could say, well, maybe I'm missing out on life. Well, Jesus does not want them to miss what life is all about. And so he tells them, this is what it looks like to follow me. And this is the best life you could ever have, the most profitable life you could ever live. He doesn't want these men to confuse discipleship with the Israelite dream. And he doesn't want us to confuse discipleship with the American dream. So our culture, it tells us that, hey, if you work hard, that you're owed a good life. You're owed a life where you can just kick back, take it easy, be happy, enjoy what you've, what you've kind of built up for yourself. Take life easy. Well, we, we look at that and sometimes that's what we then try to live for. All these, all this stuff that God gives us, it ought to be blessings and helping us make more and better disciples. But instead we twist things around because we filter life through us. We filter Jesus's life that he's given through us instead of filtering our life through him. And when we do that, things get twisted. Even these good gifts of God, they can become idols. They can become gods in and of themselves because we are living for those things rather than living for God. Jesus gives us the key to this fear of missing out in Luke chapter 9. He says three things that we must do. He says, first, you have to deny yourself Second, you have to take up your cross daily. And third, you have to follow Jesus. Jesus is painting this vivid picture for us of what discipleship ought to look like. And in order to understand his word, you have to know the historical context that's taking place. And so sometimes we miss it. In, in those days, just a few years earlier, before Jesus emerged on the scene, there was a man named Judas. Not Judas Iscariot, who would later betray Jesus, but another Judas. And he gathered this band of insurrectionists who would try to overthrow Rome by force. Well, this plan, it didn't go so well. They, they lost. And then the Roman soldiers, they lined the streets of Galilee with crosses, which bore the bodies of these insurrectionists, accompanied with their ill-advised leader, Judas, right beside them. 
And so when the disciples hear this term, take up your cross daily and follow me, this is likely the image that they have. And so, you know, we tend to think of cross in a, in a different sense. We hear that take up your cross daily and follow me. And sometimes we kind of uh, mysticize it a little bit. We, we, we turn the cross into something that uh, we all have to bear. You've heard that expression. Well, we all have crosses we have to bear. My, my cross could be a difficult employer, a rebellious child, a, a health issue. This is the cross I've got to bear. That, but that's not at all what Jesus is talking about here. Sometimes we hear the cross, you know, carry your cross. Well, and we think of Calvary as some kind of devotional type of moment. The the disciples, they didn't know anything of Calvary, of the cross of Calvary. Yeah, they were just told that Jesus would die, but Jesus didn't tell them how. They didn't know that Jesus would be nailed to that old wooden cross. That was not the cross in their mind. See, the cross Jesus is mentioning here was not a mystical cross of circumstance. It was not a devotional cross of remembrance. It was a literal cross. Jesus is saying to these men who had just given up six months of their lives to go away from their families, away from their livelihoods, away from their jobs, to live in a borrowed home, to eat borrowed food, to make disciples. Now he tells them that, hey, if you really want to be my disciple... Well, you have to prepare to die. This is the cross. You have to prepare for a death like those insurrectionists because following me costs everything. You and I, we can have a hard time with that because we have this problem of living in such comfort and such ease with such nice things. And so we want to distort the command of Jesus a little bit. We want to water it down. Jesus is commanding us to give up looking after our own self-interest, to deny the security and the safety of just normal living, and then to wholly abandon ourselves to this mission that he's called us to. See, Jesus didn't come to introduce us to comfort. He came to introduce us to a cause. And then by living all out on that mission, well, then the God of comfort joins us. That's how it works. Jesus says, here's the life. Deny yourself, prepare to die, and follow me. Notice we follow him. He's in charge. He's out front. He's got the reins. He's calling the shots. We love that phrase in Psalm 23, don't we? I mean, we plaster Psalm 23 all over the place. We knit it on pillows. We paste it on our refrigerators. We love it. The Lord is my shepherd. However, for those words to be true, that that means that you have to be following him. That means that he has to be in control, that he's calling the shots, that he has the reins. See, if we can't say that, if that's not true, if we have not given ourselves to the mission that he has called us to, well, then he's not your shepherd. You are. We look around the world and the world says, chase after happiness, chase after an easy life, a nice life where everyone can get along and where you can just kick back, take life easy, eat, drink, be merry, happily married, kids doing well, things like that. And so this is what we chase after. This is what we want. We can travel a little bit and just have a good life. Understand this. 
Jesus never sugarcoated the call to discipleship. Jesus never sugarcoated the call to follow him of what it looks like to be an authentic Christian. He often emphasized the negative. Do you notice that along his ministry? I mean, you never find Jesus like going up to men and women and saying, hey, offer me and I'll give you an easy life. You you never find Jesus offering to increase people's salaries to give them better health benefits where they can just live long and prosper. You you never hear him saying, hey, you'll have better surroundings or uh, everyone will get along if you follow me. No, Jesus promises the opposite. He says, if you follow me, you'll be persecuted. If you follow me, there'll be pain. If you follow me, there'll be heartbreak. If you follow me, there will be tension and stress in your relationships because I turn people against one another. This is the command of Jesus. These are the terms of discipleship. And you can hear that call to discipleship. And then you can see the allure of culture and you can feel like you're going to miss out on all that life could offer. But understand this, Jesus did not call you to a life that he himself was not willing to accept. He never told his disciples, hey, you have to prepare for the cross. You have to take up your cross. But hey, the angels are going to come and attend to me. He never told them, hey, deny yourself, deny your own security and your own self-interest when he himself was not willing to leave the comforts and the security and the safety of heaven to come to earth for a cold cross. So you understand, he denied his own self-interest to submit to the will of the Father. He did everything he's calling us to do in being his disciples. Do you remember the story a couple chapters later in Luke 14? In that uh, chapter, Jesus, he tells this story of several would-be disciples. And he says, one guy is there and he says, no, I can't. I can't go, I can't follow you because I just had this new piece of property, this new land that I have to take care of. Another would-be disciple says, no, I can't come because I've got, I just bought this new team of oxen. I, I, I got to look after them right now. A third would-be disciple comes, no, 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 I can't go, I can't go because I just got married. See, all three, they're looking out for their own self-interest, and their own self-interest come before denying themselves, preparing to die, and following Jesus. They weren't convinced that Jesus' ways really were the best way to live life. And so they say, well, this just happened. The, the tyranny of the urgent takes control, and they say, well, I've got to look after this. I have to tend to this. Listen, there's always going to be something new happening. There's always going to be something that just kind of grabs your attention in the moment and says, you need to do this. You need to look after that. There's always something we can give ourselves to. And just like these guys, when we do that, what we're really saying is, Jesus, we're ashamed of you. We're we're ashamed of your words. We're ashamed of the life that you're calling us to. We think our ways are better And Jesus says, well, if you're ashamed of me, if you're ashamed of what I'm calling you to, if you're ashamed of my words, then I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. These are the terms of discipleship. Make no mistake, this call to discipleship made by Jesus is a call to prepare to die. He says it again in verse 24, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake 
will save it. He's again talking about death. He's, he's telling the disciples, maybe my terms don't sound so appealing to you. Maybe you look around the world and all these things that you could chase after and you fear you're going to miss out. And so what happens? You jump in and you take, take the lead. You try to chase down your dreams. And in so doing, Jesus says, you die. You're really losing your life. You die. However, if you will give up your dream, if you will give up your safety, your security, if you are willing to die to yourself, if you will prepare to die and follow me, well, then you save your life. See, for those who are willing to live in the ways of Jesus, for those who are willing to abandon themselves and to embrace this radical mission that Jesus gives us, well, then all of you would say, this is the only way to live life. This is living life to its fullest. I'm not missing out on anything. To the outsider who just doesn't have the stomach for the cross, you would say, this is the way to live. To the insider in the church who just can't quite get there and embrace this go and make disciples lifestyle the way Jesus commands us to, you would say, you're missing it. This is the purpose of your salvation. This is the only way to live. See, he, Jesus, he doesn't give us any room in the middle. He, he doesn't give any middle ground here. We can kind of look, kind of tip our, or dip our feet in the water and say, okay, well, maybe I'll try. But that's what we want to do, isn't it? We, we kind of want to nibble around the edges and kind of dabble here and there and try it a little bit. We, we want to keep our options open because we fear like we'll miss out on some stuff. We fear if we go all in that there's going to be other things in life that we miss out on. We have our reasons, right? We've got land. We've got oxen. We've got a new spouse. We've got a house. We've got a job. We've got children. So we chase after all these things. Good gifts given by God. And it's to further our disciple-making efforts. But we get them twisted because we chase after them. And then they become the gods. They become the idols. We filter Jesus through our life instead of filtering our lives through Jesus. And when we do that, we think that we earn some level of happiness, that we deserve some level of comfort, that we deserve some measure of honor. Listen, Jesus is the only one worthy of honor. The only thing that we've earned is eternal separation from God. But thanks be to God that this honorable one, Jesus, that he came to set us free, to give us a life full of meaning and purpose so that our lives really can be filtered through his. Sadly, many of us miss it and we start chasing after the wrong things. We fall into the trap of this allure of the world, but we want to put a Christian spin on it. And what it really leads to is this moralistic deism. And we think, well, you know, if I'm just a good person, if my good outweighs my bad, if I follow Jesus in some measure and I just try to be a good person and nice to people and treat people fairly and then come to church and Jesus exist to kind of help make all that happen, well, that's really what life is about. Let me tell you, that type of thinking, it is subtle, it is pervasive, and it is wrong. It is totally absent of this transformative Christianity that God calls us to, to really go and impact the world. And so we, we have this incredible opportunity to go and make disciples and to teach them everything that Jesus commanded. 
But we do, don't do that. We fall short. We, we, we settle for this religion of moralism, and we just kind of put Jesus' name on it. But all that does is it leads to this fear of wanting more, this fear of missing out. It enhances it. And this moralistic deism, well, it creates this spiritual apathy because other people look at that and they say, I don't need Jesus to live that life. They're just basically a good person. You can do that in and of yourselves. But to really go and change the world, to really make disciples who make disciples, well, that's beyond me. That really does need this supernatural presence in your life. This is authentic Christianity. When Jesus is your shepherd, you shall not want. Jesus, he asked two penetrating questions. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? You understand that there isn't a wealthy person out there who lives life apart from Jesus. And then at the end of their life, when they're on their deathbed, who wouldn't gladly trade in all of their riches just for one more hour of healthy, youthful living. In the last couple months, our nation, our world really has been confronted with death in a way that's impacted all of us. God, he uses and allows times like these so that we really can take stock of our lives from almost this deathbed type setting. When the nice house and the nice clothes and the nice cars and some level of honor is all exchanged for a hospital bed and that hospital gown and being wheeled around on that hospital bed with all of our dignity seemingly lost. And in that moment, we get to ask the question, so what in life is really significant? And if your answer is anything other than loving God and people enough to actually go and make disciples, well, then you are defining life incorrectly. You are in danger of chasing after land and oxen and a spouse of a house, a job and children and gaining it all. And yet at the same time, losing your soul and what price tag would you put on your soul that's Jesus' second question what would the world have to tempt you with in order for you to say okay i will chase after that rather than devote myself to the mission that jesus has called me to that he has made me for what is your soul worth jesus said here are the terms for discipleship here are the terms for following me And if you're ashamed of me and ashamed of this calling that I've given you, well, then I will be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. You understand there is no room for secret Christianity. There is no room for an undercover Christian. Jesus invites us to this radical difference-making life where we get to go and equip people with all the commands of Jesus. We get to make disciples. And Jesus makes it really clear that if you will be his disciple, a genuine disciple, that you will look like Jesus. And that if you will be his disciple, a true genuine disciple, well, then you will be treated like Jesus. The life of a disciple, it just blows our minds because the Jesus life is this paradoxical, ironic life. You have to lose yourself in order to find yourself. You have to die to self in order to live with him. I am unworthy and undeserving of relationship. 
And yet Jesus loves me and brings me into relationship. I have nothing, and yet in Christ I have everything. You see, when you fear missing out, you end up missing out on what matters most. You miss out on a relationship with the God of the universe and the mission to which he has made you for, that he had you in mind when he formed you. He wants you to be a part of his church, his church that is sent out as ministers of reconciliation to be unleashed and to redeem the world. You see, this is the great paradox. When we fear missing out, we miss out. And when we deny ourselves, when we prepare to die, and when we follow Jesus, well, that's when we gain everything. Heavenly Father, help us not to miss the life that you have prepared and made us for, this life, this radical life of making disciples. God, we cannot do that in and of ourselves. We must be transformed for this type of life. So God, transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit and through the grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.